Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, if you are a first time guest today, uh, let me uh, just echo uh, or join in with Brittany in saying uh, how much we're uh, just honored you're here. Thank you for spending part of your weekend with us. It really does make a difference, and uh, we've been praying for you. Uh, we didn't know who you were, but we've been praying for you. We've been praying that you would encounter God, and so that's our hopes today, that you wouldn't encounter a church, but you would encounter God, you would encounter His presence, and so we designed the whole service really with that in mind. Uh, but as Brittany said, we are in the middle of a series called Help I'm, and last week Jennifer covered uh, the, the, the topic of anxiety and mental health, and just so proud of her. She did such a good job. That can be a very difficult topic to cover. And um, a couple weeks ago at Easter, we actually passed out a survey. And we took the answers to those surveys, and we populated them in a chart, and we looked at the main themes that popped up. And one of the main themes that popped up um, was uh, this idea of hurt and relationships. And so we had anxiety last week being a main theme, and then this week, uh, hurt and relationships. And so today, I want to cover the topic of help I'm offended. Help I'm offended. Or help somebody hurt me. Raise your hand in this room if you've ever been offended. Raise your hand if the person that offended you is sitting next to you. No, 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 no. I saw you, Chris. All the husbands in the room, you know, or whatever. Um, we've all been offended. In fact, um, not only have I been uh, offended um, many times in my life, but I've actually been the offender probably way more times than the offended. I was 18 at one point, a long time ago. So old now, 35, you know. But I was 18, and at 18, I thought I knew it all. I'm recovering from that now. <laughs> However many years later, 17. But uh, for all the 18-year-olds in the room, let me speak to you. We, we don't know as much as we think we do. Life has a way of teaching us some lessons. And so anyways, I was 18 years old, and I thought I knew it all. And so because I thought I knew it all, I offended people quite often. In fact, there was this one time, and I grew up in kind of a traditional denominational church, and I learned something. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor at that point, but I learned something that day that I thought, you know what, when I become a pastor, I'm never going to do that because it will scar somebody for life. And so we were in this service one day, and the pastor was preaching on the topic of offense and forgiveness. And so he began preaching about this, this idea of, of offense and forgiveness, and then at the end of his sermon... He said this, he said, okay, now I know many of you guys in this room that are offended was probably offended by somebody sitting next to you or somebody in this room. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an altar call. <laughs> you know where this is going already. We're going to have an altar call. And if there is anybody in this room that has ever offended you, you need to go to them and you need to make it right. Well, at this point, I, I know, oh, man, he has got my number, right? So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to go and pray and put my head down, and I'm just going to, like, keep my head down until I hear the music, meaning service is over, and they are dismissing because I am not getting caught in this trap. And so I go, and I put my head down, and I begin praying. I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, help me. Okay, if I am lying, I'm dying. 
I felt, you know how sometimes you can feel if somebody is standing over you? All the parents, you know this feeling at 2 a.m. in the morning when your little toddler is staring at you. You're dead asleep, but in your sleep, you can feel like somebody is staring at you. That's how I felt in that moment. I'm down praying and I can just feel the presence of an army of people <laughs> gathering around me. And I looked up from that altar call. So help me, seriously. I looked up, there was a line of people <laughs> waiting to tell me that I have offended them. In that moment, I didn't really know what to do. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll do better. But how many of you know, we can offend people sometimes. And so I thought as I was preparing for this message, I would go in the direction of what do you do to keep from offending people? And then a couple days into it, I decided I needed to flip that. And I wanna talk about what to do when somebody's offended you. Because all of us have been hurt by someone. All of us have been offended. Typically, uh, when we're offended, uh, there's several things that we can do. And I don't want to go over those, but I want to show you a scripture because offense is something that Jesus knew was going to come. In fact, he spoke to this. And if you look all throughout the Bible, you will see moments and opportunities where people uh, were, were offended. And so Jesus recognized this. And in Luke, he said this in Luke 17, 1, he says, offenses will certainly come. And so I don't want to be the bearer of bad news today, but if you've never been offended, you will be offended. In fact, I may offend you in this message, and that's okay. I've dealt with that before. There was a line at one time. Now today, my hope is to try to not offend you, but offenses will come. Offenses are something that, that oftentimes people don't even know. They, they say something, they do something, and their action offends you. They didn't even know they hurt you but it hurts you. And so what do you do with that? What do you do when somebody offends you and hurts you? Maybe it's a boss that offends you, says something about your work ethic, says something about you. You feel like they're attacking your character. Okay, maybe it's a, a coworker in the cubicle next to you. Maybe there was a coach at one point that said, you'll never start, you'll never be good enough. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a family member and you never thought in a million years that could happen to you or somebody could do that and they did something to you and it hurt you and it offended you. Offenses certainly come. And so what do you do with them? Well, our common responses to offense, um, honestly, are, are, are several things. And if I just were to think about what, what I feel like the top three ways that I respond to offense, it's usually this. The first thing is this, that I just kind of plan out retaliation right? Eye for an eye. Like, you got me. You're going to get what's coming to you. You're like, no, I'm not really that way. Aren't you, though? Have you ever been cut off in traffic? <laughs> what's the first thing that you want to do? Speed up. And, you know, you're, you're holy, so you're not going to give them the finger or anything, but you speed up, and what do you do? You stare at them. You're like, please don't let him have a gun. Please don't let him, you know. <laughs> Is that only me that thinks that way? <laughs> right, you begin to plot out the retaliation. You begin to plot out, well, you know what? They did that to me, so I'm not gonna talk to them. I'll show them. I hope they get what's coming to them. And you begin to think through how you can revenge this situation. And Romans 12, 19 said, this is a really bad idea. In fact, it says, do not take revenge. 
In other words, do not plan out retaliation, my dear friends, but leave room for God. Leave room for God to take care of things. I love what the message says. It it says it quite beautifully. It says, don't hit back, but discover the beauty in everyone. And so oftentimes when we want to take retaliation, one of the first things that you can do is you need to realize, you know what? I may not see it in them, but there is beauty in everyone. So I'm going to choose not to retaliate in this moment. Maybe retaliation is not something that you struggle with. Maybe for you, something you struggle with is gossiping. Number two, I think a common response to being offended is we just start gossiping. We just start letting every person around us know that someone hurt us. Oh, you'll never guess what they did. Oh, you'll never guess how they treated me. We're so good at it, right? Now, you would never tell them that to their face, but everybody else knows around you that somebody hurt you. Why? Because this is easy. This is an easy thing to do, but gossiping really doesn't get us anywhere fast. In fact, the Bible says this in Proverbs 16, 28 about gossiping. He said, it's a perverse man. It's a perverse man that stirs up dissension and gossip. It's gossip that what? Separates close friends. And so when we've been offended, if you want to know a surefire way to separate you from a person, it's to gossip. When you stir up dissension, it's not going to, the thing that you think might make it better, it may make you better, but it does not make the situation better. See, I think we gossip most of the time because it makes us feel better. Doesn't it make us feel better to talk to our friends about what somebody did to you? But guess what it doesn't do? Make the situation any better. It doesn't improve what happened. It doesn't improve the fact that, that you're still hurt and you're still mad. In fact, you can gossip about it and still be hurt on the inside. How many of you have ever gossiped about a situation, but you feel like that in and of itself really healed you? Probably none of us. And so we gossip, we retaliate. Third thing, and these are all things that I struggle with, okay? And so I'm just saying these are common areas that I had to look deep into myself and say, how have I offended people and how have I handled offense? And the third thing I found myself doing sometimes, if I'm not careful, is I want to just rush in. Somebody offends me and I'm like, nope, I'm rushing in. I'm diving head into this situation. Oh, no, you didn't. We were at, in vacation. Uh, we, were, we were in vacation last week in Florida, and we went to a very popular restaurant called uh, McGuire's down in Destin. And it was my family, my father-in-law, my, my nieces came into town. And so we kind of had a whole table. There were three kids there, all under 10. How many of you know? That was a loud table. And Samuel had this whole thing of... Uh, magnetiles, that's what they're called, magnetiles that he was playing with, and it kept him occupied the entire dinner. Well, at the end of dinner, uh, his sibling, or his, uh, I'm sorry, his nieces, they were going to go back to Pensacola. We were in Destin, and he hadn't seen them uh, in months, and so this was a really hard thing, right, to tell a toddler, hey, they're about to leave, your friends, I know you've been playing with them. So he wasn't very happy. If you have a four-year-old, you know what I'm talking about. He wasn't very happy, and he wanted to make sure that he let his mom and dad and apparently everybody else around him know that he wasn't very happy, and so he kind of threw a fit and swiped the, the magnet tiles, and you know, as a parent, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. What am I going to do in this moment? Like, it's okay, buddy. Come on. Let's go to the car. You know, you're like removing him from the situation, and my father-in-law, he looks at this lady that's sitting right next to us and said, do you have grandkids? Just kind of smiled, and she said, I do, but they don't act like that. 
Oh, no, you didn't. I thought I was going to have to peel Jennifer off of her. I removed Samuel from the situation, and I'm like, where is my wife? Well, she decided to rush on in and take care of it. Not only did she rush on in, but apparently she did not get the resolve that she, she's not here today, and so uh, I can talk about this situation. <laughs> apparently, she did not get the situation resolved the way she wanted to get it resolved because we are on our way to the car out in the parking lot, and she said, I'm going to go back in. <laughs> like, no, 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 babe. It's not, I mean, we're never going to see this person again. What good is that going to do, right? But there's something in all of us that we just want to rush into situations. Somebody makes us mad, and we're like, oh, no, you did it. And so there's so many common responses to how we handle things. And, and here's what the Bible says about that kind of tactic about rushing in. It says this, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinion. It feels so good though, doesn't it? But the Bible would say nay to that. Like that's, that's, a, that's a wrong way. These things may be very common to you and they may make you feel good, in the moment, but what I've learned about these responses to people hurting us or offending us is oftentimes they can do a lot more harm than they can do the situation good. In fact, they can actually make the situation worse. But here's what happens, and these things are all kind of surface level, right? But what happens when somebody really hurts us? It's a best friend, it's a spouse, it's somebody we're very close to. They say something or do something, and it cuts deep. What happens is that offense can become like a toxic to you, and it wants to dig itself into you. And what I found about offense is this. Offense will always, always seek to attach itself to you. When somebody offends you, you know what it, offense wants to do? Build offense. It wants to build a fence between you and that person. And oftentimes, it builds a fence between that person, yes, but also other people around you. Somebody offends you, you build a fence, and then it affects relationships all over. And so now, because a spouse hurts you or because of a parent, they hurt you or a coworker hurts you, your relationships struggle all over the map. And not only will you not let them in, but you're not letting anybody in anymore. Well, I'm not going to get close to them because if I get close to that relationship, if I put myself out there, I'm just going to get hurt again. And that begins to do something to our hearts. It begins to do something to the inside of us when people offend us and, and, and we carry it. And we begin to respond to it the way that I just talked about. Here's what happens when it attaches itself to you. I think the Bible gives us a really clear picture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 15. It says this, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. Watch out. Be on guard. Be aware that offense doesn't take root among you. Bitterness take root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble. See, offense will cause deep trouble not in everybody else, but in you, hurting many in their lives. 
And I know this is a deep topic. And in no way am I a counselor, in no way am I a therapist, and I know that there are many layers to this. And I know that this is something that when somebody hurts you or offends you, especially when they're really close to you, there's a lot of layers to uncover. There's a lot of hurt to walk through. But what I want to do today is I want to show you what I think can just be God's way of handling offense. Now, I'm not saying if you go through each of these steps, it's like a one, two, three, and it's done. There may be some more that you need to to do. And some of these steps, while they may seem very simple, while they may seem very practical, they may not be things that happen in just a moment. They may not be things that you can do in just a second. And so the process of letting go of hurt and the process of working through being offended, it may take days, it may take weeks, it may take years, but we still have a responsibility to not let bitterness take root in us. Because if you let it take root in you, and if you don't deal with it, the Bible says it will cause you a whole lot of trouble. And I want people in our church that live lives that are fully alive, not lives full of trouble. And so how do you handle offense God's way? I think the first thing that we do is this. Don't minimize the hurt. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. You know, when somebody hurts us, it's easy to just say, well, that didn't bother me. Well, 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 that wasn't not, you know, that wasn't a big deal. We've all heard the, the old, you know, saying, well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt, but words do hurt. And sticks and stones can break your bones. What a dumb phrase. <laughs> words can hurt. And so when that happens, I think one of the best things that we can do for ourselves, okay, is acknowledge it. Acknowledge the fact that that situation happened, and yes, it hurt. It's hard to get healed and set free of something that you're pushing down and you're pushing into this, you know, uh, state of non-existence, but you have to acknowledge it. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 16, 14. It says, my people are broken and shattered. And they put band-aids saying, it's not that bad. You'll be just fine. But things are not just fine. I think you've got to acknowledge today if you've been hurt that, that you've actually been hurt. That yes, somebody said something to you and it has affected you. That there was a grade school teacher that said that you're dumb and you're not smart and you're carrying it today and you've never really thought about it, but it's affected how you feel like everybody views you. And now somebody says something little and you think, they just think I'm dumb. Because you've, you've never acknowledged the moment. You've never acknowledged the situation. You've tried to just ignore it. You've tried to push it down. Just, just because you seek to make it non-existence doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. And so you've got to acknowledge it because if you don't, if you just bottle it up inside, if you just keep it all in, if you just try to ignore it or push away, here's what Psalm says in 39. It says this. It says, if you keep very quiet, this is what he says, I kept very quiet, but I became even more upset. 
I became very angry inside as I thought about it, and my anger burned. See, if you push it down and you don't acknowledge it, if you just try to keep quiet, you're just going to become more and more angry, more and more bitter, and it will burn inside of you. It will be something that eventually comes out of you. If your life is a cup, right, whatever's getting poured into you one day will come out of you. And if you're allowing this hurt to bubble up inside of you, one day it's going to flow. One day it's going to spill out. But it doesn't have to be so. And so if you've been hurt in here today, maybe there was a situation where somebody did something to you, said something to you, a family member, and I'm not saying any of it was right. But you got to acknowledge it. That, that it hurt and that you're not okay. And so once you acknowledge it, what do you do with it? Well, I think the second thing is this. You've got to bring it to Christ. You've got to acknowledge the hurt, but then you've got to do something with it. It's one thing to know, okay, I've got, it. I've got some pain inside of me. But then it's another thing to know what to do with it. See, if, if you don't determine what you're going to do with it, uh, what, what I found, and, and I don't know if I know, know, know the right words to put around this, but what I found, if you don't determine what you're going to do with it, it will determine what it will do with it. Amen. And it will start to flesh itself out in all kinds of ways. And so somebody, somebody hurts you and you didn't do anything with it, and it began to flesh itself out in another bad relationship, or it began to flesh itself out in some addictions, or it began to flesh itself out in you know, some sort of isolation or, 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 or whatever. And so once you know that you've been hurt, you've got to do something about it. And the best thing you can do about it is just bring it to Christ. You know, one of the things that I've learned in life, that time is not a healer. You know who's a healer? Christ. Christ is a healer. If time was a healer and I got cancer, then I can just sit and say, you know what? I've got cancer, but I'm just going to wait it out and see what happens. If time was a healer, then anything that affected us, we could just wait it out and it would go away. But that is not the case. Time is not your healer. Christ is your healer. Time cannot heal your wounds. Only Christ can come in and put the hand of God, his hand on it, and begin to soften it and massage it and heal the hurt. And I know it hurts, and I know it's painful, but Christ is the one that can heal it. And so if you're in here today and you're hurt, and you feel, you feel broken, and you're trying to figure out what to do with it, man, bring it to Christ. And here's a promise you can know, a promise that you can, you can put your head down on the pillow tonight and know is for you. And it's this in Psalms 34, that if you're hurting tonight, the Lord is near. He's near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. You really can cast all your cares on him. And so if you're in here and you're hurt, you're offended, the first thing that you can do is you can acknowledge it. The second thing that you can do is you can bring it before God and say, God, I'm not going to carry this on my own. 
I'm not going to let this thing attach itself to me, but I'm going to give it to you. And then the third thing is this. You don't need to go to the offender, but you actually need to pray for the offender. This can be tough because when somebody offends me, I I pray for them all right. I pray that a thousand hemorrhoids, you know, like, I mean, a thousand bee stings, you know, or something. I pray for them all right. Pray that they get fired today. Am I the only one unsaved? Nobody else has ever thought that. No, 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 but we've got to pray. We've got to pray for those that hurt us. Notice the order. I think what I'm, what I'm sharing with you today, there's an order to it. It starts with acknowledging, then you, then you hand the hurt over, and then you begin to pray for the person that hurts you. You know, the Bible speaks very clearly to this in Matthew 5, 43. It says this. It says, you have heard it said, or you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yes, that's what I want to do sometimes. But I tell you, love your enemy. Listen, just because you love someone doesn't mean you have to like them. Love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you. Pray for those that hurt you. You know what I've learned about doing this when it comes to to handling offense? Prayer may not change the other person while it does have the power to change the other person, but you know who it does change? It changes you. It changes your heart. As you say, God bless them. God help them. God help them be aware of how they handle situations. It's okay. God knows. We got to get gut level honest before God and say, God, I'm mad. This person has hurt me, but God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would help them. It's okay to say, God, I pray that you would show them what they're doing to people. I pray that you would help them realize, you know, their fault in this situation. Pray about it. And as you pray about it, it really may not change them, but something will begin to happen in you. Your heart begins to soften when you pray for that person. Your heart begins to soften when you don't speak cursing, but you speak life. When we were in the study on the book of James, it says this, that that how can blessings and cursings flow from the same mouth? This should not be so. And so I want to determine in moments where people have hurt me, as hard as it is, because I know it's for me, not only for them, that I'm going to pray blessings on that person. I'm going to pray that God would would shine a light on situations with that person. So prayer softens your heart because the thing that you have to do next, you cannot do unless you pray first. There is an order to handling offense. And the thing that, that you want to get to, oftentimes forgiveness, it cannot happen until you do these things first. And so you've got to acknowledge you've been hurt. You've got to give it to God. You got to pray for the offender. You know what I found? Not in every situation, but on a lot of the stuff that's kind of surface level, kind of goes away after that. I had my moment. I handled it kind of the right way. I didn't just rush in and give them a piece of my mind or try to start plotting retaliation, but I, I, 
I actually just acknowledged it and gave it to God. You know, the Lord's Prayer every day, I think Jesus, he's just so smart, right? I mean, he knew this would happen, that every day it says that we should forgive others. That, that, that yes, God forgive me, but also forgive the debt of others as well. There's something about waking up every morning and say, you know what? I'm going to forgive people today even before they offend me. That you just walk with an attitude of, of, of not letting things attach themselves to me. Some days I wake up and say, I know people are going to treat me bad today, but I'm just going to shrug it off. I refuse to let offense attack me. And so we just, we pray for it. And then the fourth thing is this, and it's, it's the obvious one that we all want to get to. We make the decision to forgive the hurt, to forgive the hurt. Now, I think, I think you have to understand this about forgiveness, Forgiveness is not um, an emotion, but it's actually, it's, it's, it's an act of will. The word forgive in the Greek is a legal term. It's actually a legal term kind of like that found in a court of law. And in a court of law, emotion doesn't matter. While emotions may play into it, they want to get just, just to the truth. And so forgiveness in its essence, is this. It's the equivalent of signing an IOU as paid in full. It's, it's the equivalent of canceling the debt, saying, you don't, you don't owe me anymore. Here's what it's not, and this is where forgiveness can be so hard. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness isn't even Reconciliation. We sometimes think, well, if I forgive them, then, then the relationship's just gonna kind of go back to normal. It may never go back to normal. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two totally different things. Forgiveness is something that you do in here. It's not for the other person, actually. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is so that you don't get locked in a cage. For, 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 forgiveness is, is making sure that, 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 that you don't live a life where something is attached to you that affects everything else. And so it's not reconciliation and it's not forgetting. Yeah, I mean, the pain's still there. Just because you forgive doesn't wash away the fact that it happened but it does mean you're not gonna allow the situation to attach itself to you. Now I will say, and I don't know how this happens, that, that supernaturally God does have the power to, to help you to begin to forget. There's a, a neuroscientist by the name of Dr. Caroline Leaf and she talks about how experiences can, can, can wire our brain and they can cause things in our brain to, she describes it as like trees to kind of grow and blossom. But over time, um, good experiences can push those bad experiences down to where it actually rewires what we think about things. She even goes on to say that experience can actually be uprooted. I'm not a neuroscientist. But I did read a scripture one time in the book of Genesis. 
And it was about Joseph. And Joseph, if you know the story about Joseph, his brothers offended him very badly. How many of you know family wounds are the worst wounds? His brothers offended him really badly, and Joseph had a choice of what he would do, and ultimately, Joseph chose to forgive. It's just a beautiful story. You can read it in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. But that's not what I want to talk about. Later on in life, Joseph would have his firstborn child. And the Bible, in a, in a, in a small passage of Scripture, tells us the names of Joseph's first and secondborn children. And it says Joseph's firstborn child was named Manasseh. And right there, you don't even have to go look it up in the Hebrew. It says this, Manasseh means the Lord has made me to forget. Isn't that crazy? That Joseph named his firstborn son a reminder every time I look at him. God has allowed me to move past this. God has allowed this not to attach to me. He named his second born child Ephraim, meaning the Lord has made me fruitful in honestly the land of my pain. See with God, he can help you move past the situation and then in the land of your pain, help you to be fruitful. And so offense doesn't have to attach itself to you, but we do have a responsibility to forgive. We acknowledge the hurt, we bring it to God, we pray, and we forgive. And so I've talked to you about what forgiveness is, but let me actually show you where the Bible says this is our responsibility. In Luke chapter six, it says this, it says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And then it, it gives you a passage of scripture, and this next passage of scripture, verse number 38, it's one that's actually, um, pastors use a lot of time to talk about um, giving. And while it can be applied to giving, it's not just about giving. It can be applied to that, but that's not the context in which it's actually speaking to in this. It says, give now, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What measure? We'll go back to first, verse 37. how you don't judge people or how you condemn people or how you forgive people. Verse 38, give those that shall be given back to you. That's the context. And so you want forgiveness, give forgiveness. And so God is very clear about it. Colossians says this in Colossians 3.13, it says, make no allowance or sorry, make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive, it doesn't get more clear than that. Forgive, not forget, not reconcile. We're talking about forgiveness. Forgive those who offend you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. And so you must forgive others. 
I know, ma'am, what that guy did to you hurt. And you've told yourself you'll never forgive him. I know, sir, what that dad said to you hurt you. And you said, I'll never let him in. I'll never forgive them for that. Forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. It's for you. And so in your heart, you make a choice to forgive. Why? Because offense will hold you captive. Offense will hold you captive. Not the person that offended you. You think if you don't forgive them, you're holding them captive. No. It's just locking you in a cage. It's affecting you. And so number one, you acknowledge it. Number two, you give it to Christ. Number three, you pray for the offender. Number four, you start the process of forgiveness and this may take time. But honestly, here's what I really believe. Reconciliation, while that is something that God speaks to, that, that is something that takes time. That can take moments or years. But forgiveness, I really believe while it may take you time, it can happen in a moment because it's a decision. It's an act of your will to say, I release the debt. And then you start the process of, of reconciliation if that is where it should go. And number five is this, when somebody hurts you, I could have started with this. Most people start with this. Go to the person. But if all of this didn't work and there's still an issue and it still needs to be talked through, don't wait. Have the conversation. Leviticus 19.17 says this, don't secretly hate your neighbor. If you have something against him, get it out into the open. Matthew 18, the chapter on offense that many of us if you grew up in church, could possibly quote, it says this, if a brother has sinned against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and you alone, you and that person. This is why the common way to handle offense by gossiping, we have to refuse. Because Matthew 18 really tells us that when somebody upsets you, offends you, says something, that, that you should go to them, but go to them alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained a brother. Let me help you understand what a conversation is based on this verse. A conversation is not an argument. It is not an attack, but it is an appeal. It's an appeal. It's a sincere desire to gain your brother. It's going to somebody and saying, man, I've been praying about this and praying for you and I've been carrying this and honestly, I've, I've forgiven you, but, but I just gotta tell you, man, it really hurt. But I, I don't want it to. I don't want it to get between us. I, I'm just asking you. It's an appeal. I'm just asking you. 
man, can, can we acknowledge this situation? It wasn't good. And can we move past it together? And so it's not going in guns a-blazing, but it's an appeal to gain your brother. So I'm not saying if we do all of this tomorrow, it just goes away. But I think it's some good steps. If somebody offends you or hurts you, I think it's a good starting point. And you probably can't do all five of them tomorrow. But I think you can start with the first two. The first two everyone can do. Acknowledge it hurts and take it to God and ask God to help you finish the process out. One last story and I'll close and I wanna pray for you, but I was thinking about just today and what really needs to happen for this to get in us. And I was asking God, God, would you just, would you just help me not just communicate this the right way, but would you, would, would you help our church really be able to move past some things. I know there's some hurt in this room. I would be naive for me to think that there's not. And I heard a story about, um, and I'm not a doctor by any means, but I heard a story about burn patients and how they begin to, to, to help wounds heal after somebody's been burned, right? And in a sense, metaphorically, when somebody hurts you, you get burned, right? And again, I'm not a doctor. I only Googled this, okay? So trust Google. But sometimes when, when burn patients come in and they have really bad burns, obviously they're gonna clean the wounds and they're gonna wrap them with, with some sort of gauze or some sort of dressings. And then for years they have been doing this, uh, apparently physical therapist, this kind of whirlpool therapy or, or this hydrotherapy for, for burn patients. That, that apparently they, they can take a patient that's been burned and they can, covered with bandages, kind of set them into the water. And, and I've heard that, that it's an excruciating process when anybody ever had a cut, you get into water. I mean, it really hurts. But what happens is the water begins to soften the bandages. And so the water softens the bandages and then as they get out and, and begins to soften, I, I post the, 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 the wounds, as they get out, uh, the, the doctors can then begin to kind of peel back the, 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 the bandages in an easier way and um, the, 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 the dead skin for, to make it a little more PG, the, the, the dead skin. And then what they do is they peel off the bandages and then for the healing process to really uh, occur, they found that they've got to then kind of clean off the, the, the necrotic skin or, or, the, or the damaged skin. And and apparently this is an excruciating process. It's not real comfortable for the individual. You can only imagine. But the thing that brings the most pain to the person actually is what brings the healing. That as they allow the hands of a doctor to, to begin to scrape off the dead skin and scrape off the damage that, that healing and growth can, can occur. And it's a process that, that isn't just a one-time thing. They, they have to do that kind of over and over until 
till the skin has regrown, that if they don't do this, it actually can affect their mobility, they've said. That this process actually helps them if, if your arms are burned for them to stay mobile. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how that's, that's honestly, metaphorically, what we need God to do in a sense. When, when we take our hurt to him, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I've been burned. And there's some damage in me. And I'm opening myself up to you for you to begin to heal and scrape away the things that have caused me the most pain. And yes, I know it may be painful. And yes, I know it may hurt. But sometimes the thing that causes us the most hurt and pain can bring us the most healing. And so here's my prayer for you today. The hands of a loving father would put his hands into your heart and begin to scrape away the hurt, the pain, the rejection, and allow for healing and new growth. Would you bow your heads? Father, that's my prayer today. Father, my prayer today is that you would put your hand into the places that they need to be. The place where a friend hurt them. The place where a family member hurt them. Or maybe a pastor hurt them. And God, may you begin to just clean away that which the enemy has wanted to stay rooted. And God, may you soften the heart today in a way, in a really big way. May you soften the heart that allows then this process today that I've talked about to start. But God, we cannot do this on our own. We need you. And so may the great physician cleanse us today and heal us today. Maybe you're in here today and and you would say, you know what, I, I walked in today and I'm really far from God. My relationship with God is not where I want it to be. I almost think that God's probably offended at me. Can I just say he's not? There's nothing that you've ever did or ever done that causes God to be mad at you or offended with you, but God loves you. He's forgiven you. And today, I wanna give you an opportunity to receive that forgiveness. The Bible says, anyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That as we repent of our sins, he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. See, while we may have a problem with forgetting, God does not. It actually says that he remembers our sins no more. So today, as you repent and you give your life to him, the Bible says that you're a brand new person and he remembers your sins no more. Today, you can make it right with God. 
Because the reality is heaven and hell are real. And God doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose to go there by not accepting him. And so today, if you're in this room and you would say, you know what? I just want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says that if we, if we confess and believe, confess with our mouth, God, I've messed up. I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. We believe that he's Lord of our life and that Jesus, he died, but he was resurrected. He died for our sins, but God rose him from the dead three days later and resurrected so that we could have new life. That's all it takes. And so if that's you, you're in this room and today you're like, you know what? I'm ready to give my life to Christ. Nobody's looking around right now. I just wanna give you an opportunity to do so by just, just slipping up a hand. The hand doesn't save you. It just, it just acknowledges to yourself, I'm going all in. And then it lets me know who you are because I wanna pray for you. And so if that's you, just slip up your hand kind of high. It's, it's dark in this room. I just wanna be able to see your hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having the courage to do that. I'm gonna pray for you. And I wanna ask right where you are, you pray this with me and you can pray it inside, but just pray, Jesus, Today, I give you all of me for all of you. Take my whole heart, my whole life. I give it to you. I repent of my sins. Make me brand new. Make me fully alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, everybody. Hey, can we celebrate the hands that went up, people that made decisions? Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.